I hope that as we look at this passage, that it will whet your appetite for the new heavens and the new earth. I hope that as we look at these things, it makes you long for that glory because the the glorious vision of every uh, tribe and language and people and nation gathered around before the Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping him, uh, that picture from Revelation, here is where we see it start to take form. Uh, It is... You, know, you see it early in scripture from the early pages of it, of the first promise of the gospel. Uh, we see the redemption of humanity uh, from the seed of the woman who would uh, be crushed, but who would crush uh, the serpent. Uh, we see it as uh, Israel starts to be uh, set apart as God gives his promise uh, to Abraham. He calls Abraham a father of many nations. And he says to him, in you, uh, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus was clear that, uh, that the gospel was to go to the ends of the earth. The things that he d- had done had that uh, significance, a global significance. Uh, and, and in Acts, of the beauty, uh, you get this beautiful uh, portrayal at Pentecost. When the Spirit comes down, and as you see kind of echoed here, people start speaking in all different types of languages. Because the news of Christ ascended and reigning as our representative before God, that we are reconciled to him, that there's a way of renewal, uh, that Christ is reigning. That news of that is to go out to all these different places, uh, all these different peoples who speak these different languages. It pertains, it's relevant uh, to them. In Acts, it gets hinted out a little bit in chapter 8. Uh, Philip speaks to those in Samaria, and they respond to the gospel. He even uh, uh, tells the gospel to an Ethiopian who is uh, traveling through, and he believes. Uh, but not until here, in this passage, uh, do we see more than that hint of it. Where that new heaven and new earth, that new glorified community begins to take shape together. Of people from different races, different ethnicities, different tribes, uh, beyond just different families, coming together uh, around the Lord Jesus Christ and worshiping him. It's here that we start to see this new uh, creation community uh, take shape, and it takes shape as unprejudiced. I'm not just judging on the surface of what's seen or the connection of, uh, of families or ethnic uh, or cultural uh, ties, but reflecting a gospel that really does go out to all with a global uh, significance. Uh, it's here that you start to see the church of Jesus Christ as a multiracial, multicultural, uh, multi-ethnic uh, uh, community together in Jesus. And now when we say those things, uh, some of the first things that maybe echo in our head are our civil rights uh, movement and the struggles with race uh, today. And, and please, hopefully we'll see how that impacts deeply all of those things. Uh, but don't stop there. Uh, that it also, this is speaking to a, to a global uh, impact, a global significance of what the church of Christ is, of who Jesus is and who the gospel matters to. Who gets to come uh, together in him? Where the hope of glory together uh, is. Uh, there's a, a development uh, in this passage as you watch uh, Peter kind of figuring out what God's doing. And it feels really weird to Peter and, and how he figures out how to move along uh, with it. 
I want us to see how the church uh, that Christ builds uh, from its beginning is, is unprejudiced. Uh, he's building this multi-racial, uh, ethnic uh, community, cultural community uh, together. And I want us to think about, as we do that, um, what some of your prejudices might be. And, and let me say, we want to quickly like, oh, I'm not, I've, never, I've never been prejudiced to anyone. Here's, here's kind of the word that it uses here, talking about uh, partiality or favoritism. Uh, the, the etymology of the word is, is you're judging someone more by their face, right? Like, because people that you know that you're familiar with, you smile back at them and you may not to other people, right? Um, but because people that you're in with or people who are like you or people who you're comfortable with or... Hey, maybe it's just people who are more attractive over those who aren't. It, it makes a difference a lot of times in how we treat them, how we treat uh, one another. Uh, and what God has done in Jesus should impact the way we see one another, what we move toward as we see how God uh, moves us. So I hope that this passage will whet your appetite. It will give you this, this longing for that new heavens, new earth, a community that Christ is building now. And that that longing will help you want to live more and more in light of what God is doing and reflecting. So we'll follow along in three, three sides, uh, kind of looking at, looking at this passage. Uh, and the first is this, not unclean. Uh, Peter says in verse uh, 28, after he's come into Cornelius' household and spoke to them, he says, uh, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Uh, said a little bit already, but I don't think we have to go too far in watching our thoughts and our interactions with people before we realize that, uh, uh, that we have tendencies of, of prejudice. Uh, I say it this way, that I... That, I tend to like people who are like me or who like me. <laughs> like if you, if you like me, I'll probably think well of you. And if I look at you and I'm like, oh, you, you, you kinda, you're kind of kind of like me. Maybe we have the same style. Maybe we like the same music. Maybe we like the same uh, movies as we talk about stuff. Maybe we uh, do some of the same stuff. None of y'all are like my age, but still I like you anyway. Um, but right, we look at all those things and it matters for how we how we relate. And our tendency is the more similarities of things, here's where we bond. And, with, and the more different someone is than us, the more unusual the friendship is. It's great when there's a friendship like that, but the more unusual uh, it tends to be. Uh, I want you to, as you look at this passage, appreciate that this was uh, very unusual for Peter. As he walks into uh, Cornelius' household, this is very unusual, uh, very different, um, and very difficult uh, situation for Peter. Like this might have been the first time that he had ever come into a non-Jewish household, right? Uh, he, he says, you, you know how unlawful it is um, for a Jew to associate or visit with anyone from another nation. He just wanted to be careful to do that. And he's lived his life among other, other Jews. And here he is walking into who, who knows what, you know, like uh, maybe there's a little bacon frying in the background. Like what, what's going on? There are things that are just like, uh, this is not how it's supposed to be. I don't know what the manners are and how to. It was, it was very strange. It was very difficult. It was very uncomfortable uh, for him. And, and maybe Peter makes it a little bit uncomfortable for them too. Like I can't imagine for Cornelius, you're, and angels told you to, to, to bring this guy here. He's, he's come. God's given this guy a vision, too. And 
Peter comes and stands in his house with Cornelius' family and friends and relatives like all gathered around. And the first thing Peter says is, you know how wrong this feels, right? <laughs> you, know how un- you know how unlawful this is for me or anyone like me to associate with, with the likes of you. You're like, hmm, probably not the best like, step forward there. He says, but God has shown me something different. Um, God has shown me uh, that I should not call any person a common or unclean. Now, the way Peter gets to this is God had also given Peter a vision. We skipped over uh, this part, but you can look back in chapter uh, 10. That's part of why so many verses are miss- missing. That, that when, P- when God is giving uh, Cornelius a vision that to, to call and ask Peter to come, uh, God is also giving Peter a vision. Uh, Peter's hungry and he's waiting and he's upstairs and he's praying. And then uh, a vision comes of, of a, a sheet being let down from heaven with all types of animals. Uh, including reptiles and birds, like all types of animals in there, not just the ones that were clean according to Jewish uh, Old Testament dietary restrictions, but all kinds of animals in there. And God's voice says to Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter Peter protests, no, 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 Lord, I, I know the rules. I know I'm not supposed to do this. Again, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Again, he protests. Third time, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And still he says, no, no, right? And then the men uh, are knocking at the gate and calling out uh, for Peter uh, at the household where he's staying. And the spirit tells him to go with them. Uh, So he's helping him uh, get this. This is how he knows that God has shown him that he should not call any person common or unclean. And I want us to maybe connect with that food illustration Um, because I think it's really helpful. Uh, we don't really want to think about people that we would look at uh, certain ways, but um, man, I'm a picky eater. I, I, I am. I'll just admit it. I'm a picky eater. Like, you could bring me apple pie. Karen's rolling her eyes because, like, there's stuff that we don't have because I would be like, mm, I'm not going to eat this. And she's like, you can't do that in front of the kids, right? Uh, they're going to be picky eaters too, which they are. Um, you can make apple pie. It could be, like, the most best apple pie, like, whoever's recipe, your recipe. Like, everyone else here would love it. And I would be like, mm. Like, please take away that nasty, fruity thing. Um, milk, we could just get rid of milk. That would be, that would be fine. I, I want to have it for ice cream, but it should never be served by itself. Um, only combined with lots of sugar and, and cold. Bananas, even. Bananas are, bananas are nasty uh, in, in my world. Um, and I'm pretty quick to uh, turn, up, uh, turn up my nose at it. Um, or, or imagine it this way. That, uh, imagine I was cooking, cooking you a nice steak. I'm out in my grill. You're hanging out at my house. Uh, we're not planning to have steaks on Friday. But you can come over. Like, you can imagine I'm there. I'm cooking up a nice grill, thick, juicy piece of meat, flipping it over. You're smelling it. You're watching it savor. And then like, I'm getting it off, and I'm getting, telling you to bring your plate over. And I flip it over, and it plops down. Off your plate, onto the ground, outside, in the muddy spot where there was bird poop. And then I pick it back up. And put it on your put it on your plate. So here you go. All right, what are you doing? You're like, unclean. No, I don't want this. Right, and, and the problem is that too often we treat other people like that. We turn up our nose, we remove ourselves from them, we push them back, we refuse to interact, we refuse to go farther with it because something's repulsive. 
Because uh, we act like something is, is wrong, uh, unclean. I said, like, I would be glad if there wasn't bananas in the world. That would, be, that would be fine for me. But too often, that's the way we act with other people. Uh, there's, there's too many uh, racial, racist jokes that that's the punchline. Uh, there's too much uh, 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 racial, uh, racially motivated uh, crimes and wrongful death and, and prejudices um, that, that all go out there. That, that we think that's unclean and we want to move it aside or keep it away or put it down and get, get rid of it. And not just racism. Um, it's really easy just to start to look down on a different, different type of people. Or you, know, you get you put the expression this way, like, Hey, if we could, if we could just get rid of all the nerdy people in the world, like, okay, well, it would be a problem when my computer was breaking down and I didn't know what to do with that. But hey, on the weekends and going out, it'd be a, so, it'd be a whole lot nicer and cooler if those people just weren't there. Right? Um, you've heard that type of attitude uh, expressed, I imagine, um, or the other way uh, around uh, sometimes. Uh, that if. Uh, we could get rid of all the uh, stuck-up prissy prom girls, then maybe the world would be a more comfortable place. Um, all, all types of things that we that we look at this way. If we didn't have to, you know, the extroverts are like, if we didn't have to deal with the introverts who just won't have a conversation with us. And the introverts are like, if those people wouldn't constantly encroach my space and try to draw me out into everything. Right? And we look and we see some ways that someone's different from us, and we go, unclean, uh, repulsive, disgusting, I don't want that. We just go, I don't want that. Um, and God taught Peter something different as it comes uh, to the gospel to call no one uh, unclean. Um, who are you prone to treat as just common, uh, as unclean, as repulsive, as annoying, as not worth your time, not worth your interest, uh, not worth your interactions? Well, maybe we should say as well that as far as uh, feeling unclean or unacceptable uh, in society, maybe the biggest thing right now would be uh, someone who experiences same-sex attraction uh, or, or gender queer uh, things to go, what is this place? What, what role can I have here? Uh, and maybe especially among the church, that can be a dangerous uh, place to feel like, like everyone would just look at you if they knew and say, unclean. I wish they weren't here, so I'd didn't have to interact with them, and didn't have to uh, deal with anything. Um, now, uh, there's a different thing there that's not, uh, that's, there's, a, there's a moral element, not just an ethnic element there, although certainly in Peter's mind with this, the, that moral and ethnic were, uh, were, were combined here. Uh, but listen, homosexuality, same church attraction, that's not something new uh, to our day. This was in the church. Uh, the scripture speaks about it. Many of the people that the gospel went out to and who became Christians and who, uh, who followed Christ in their life and then forward were, were men who had been homosexuals. Um, were, were all these same uh, issues. And, and I, would, I hope that as someone who was uh, transgender came to RUF, that they wouldn't feel like we treated them as unclean, repulsive. Why are you here? What do you want with this? That we would be going to them and welcoming them in uh, to one who has accepted even us and whose grace goes out to them as well. And I hope that that wouldn't just be true at RUF. 
but that would be true in how you relate to the people around you. Not because culture says you should like everyone and get along with one another and what people's beliefs are doesn't matter. Because God has shown that we should call no one common or unclean or disgusting or not worth our time. Now, again, this is a, uh, this is a growing process for Peter uh, to figure out here. It's a... Uh, it's, it's a growing process for us, but of understanding uh, the recipients of that gospel uh, and so calling no one unclean. Uh, first, not unclean. Uh, secondly, uh, not favoritism or not uh, partiality in the words of the, of the passage. Um, the whole reason that God's people uh, shouldn't be prejudiced is because God's not prejudiced. His judgment isn't surface level and like. It goes deep and it sees to the heart. And it sees that all are on the same playing field of having failed before God. And, and yet he is still willing to give his grace and pour out uh, the life of his son for a, for a sinful, rebellious world. And he does so uh, impartially without showing uh, a favoritism or a surface level uh, judgment. Uh, Paul, Peter says it uh, this way, as as Cornelius asked him, well, tell us what God has commanded you. Uh, Tell us what these things are. Uh, The first thing out of Peter's mouth as he stands uh, in Cornelius' house is, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. It was like he was getting it in a new way for the first time what this really means that God didn't just pick him or just pick Israel or just pick the people that he liked or he knew or that he was comfortable with. But God picked people that he didn't know was really uncomfortable with because God's grace had gone to them too. And he is weird to him and he gives you the big idea at the beginning. Truly I understand God shows no partiality because Jesus Grace goes out to them too. I want you to appreciate how uh, unexpected uh, this was uh, for Peter. That, that, for, that for centuries uh, before, uh, and even like right by divine, uh, by divine decree in God's word, that there was it wasn't the God, that the that God's word or the gospel was limited to the ethnic Jews only, uh, but it was focused uh, primarily around them. And as God uh, made this promise to Abraham and his sons and his son's sons, so uh, followed that out and continued in covenant faithfulness, showing, uh, showing his promises. Um, and it was really weird for people outside of that to, to come in. That's why later, you pick up a little bit here, and certainly later in the New Testament, there's this whole thing about circumcision. Because what they would say was you have to follow all of the, all of the law and all of the uh, moral law and all these things. But if you're really going to be following this, you also have to be circumcised. That was a different thing in their day and something that people, you might imagine, would be very uncomfortable with. And so you have a lot of people like Cornelius who are God-fearers and followers of a lot of the law, but not going all the way there, right? Um, And and so this was, for for centuries and centuries, the way that they were looking at it is it's for ethnic Jews. And then even here in the beginning with Pentecost and the gospel and the growth of the church uh, up until until the end of chapter 11, Christianity is looked at primarily as a new sect among Judaism, uh, as, a, as a new way that people are talking about what these promises were to Abraham and his uh, offspring. Uh, 
it's only when you get to Antioch that we start to see that further. Um, but it's a beautiful thing that God sets his love on the least on the unexpected, on the least expected uh, to Peter. Um, we, we, you can see that in Paul, that God set his love on, on Paul. See that in Jesus, like talking to a, a tax collector like uh, Zacchaeus that everyone hates. But really, you see that if you go through scripture, you see that in God choosing the people of Israel himself, themselves, choosing Abraham and, and, and his descendants, not because they were great, not because they were the best nation, not because they were the most moral nation, uh, not because they were the biggest, because they were unexpected. And God said, I will still even set my affection on you so that the people can see my glory through this. It's always a relationship of grace. And now the fullness of the mystery that's being revealed uh, even more so as it goes out to the Gentiles. It's a beautiful thing that the gospel goes to the least expected, uh, to, to those who are unexpected to you, that they might want or that they might receive God's grace, those that you're uncomfortable with. And yet God doesn't show the same partiality that we do, the same favoritism that we so often do, because his love is so much greater. Uh, and, and especially where they uh, get this is, is the point out of the Spirit. Here Peter is. He's, he's talking to these people. He's, this is this weird new experience in their household. He's uh, telling them all that Jesus has done. And as he was telling them these words, Holy Spirit began to fall on these uh, Gentile, you know, to fall on these Gentile believers. Uh, and they're, they're speaking in, in tongues and these different languages in the same way that happened to them at Pentecost. And Peter and the other Jews who are with him are just like, whoa. What's going on? I love the expression here in several places like God sent his spirit even on the Gentiles. <laughs> like you still get there's this like maybe not disgust or level of repulsion, but still this unexpected and exclusion of how would they get it? Because look, the Holy Spirit is like the big thing of God's promise. Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit as the, uh, the first fruits, the down payment of everything that has come. All of God's blessing, all that God has to give uh, for eternity, including God giving himself, uh, we get in part through the Spirit. And so they're realizing the blessing of all of God's scriptures are, are come, and he sent his Spirit, and they're realizing, hey, they got the same present that we did. And it's awesome, uh, and it's beautiful, and it's shared uh, together, and God's glory is seen more through it. I remember my parents, whenever it was like, you know, birthday season, or especially Christmas, uh, they had this weird way where they were always trying to make sure that they got even gifts for everyone. I have two older brothers, uh, so they didn't want us to like come out on Christmas morning or open presents and then kind of like look around comparing like, oh, like, do you like Mark more than you like me? Well, you definitely like me more than you like Jeff, because look at these things that I get. Um, they were like very careful, uh, like down to looking at how much money they spent. And then they would also worry about, well, they spent more money on, on, you know, Jeff for this present. So we've got to make sure that everyone has more presents or else it looks like he only has one present. Like I heard my parents talk about these things. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, I mean, we still like sibling rivalries all there. We still fight with one another. It didn't like, you know, stop all that competition. But it was also helpful. Uh, it was also good. Uh, to know that my parents love me, to know that they love my brothers. And that when we talk about stuff now, we talk about how it's, it's, it's a togetherness in this. The same things that, that I get, they get because we're mutually loved. And this is the way God is with all types of different people. 
with all types of different uh, races and nations and people that speak other languages. And when they're talking around, you're like, I can't even understand that gibberish. Like, what's going on? Why are they here? It's because these are people who God has cared for their nation and their language. And it's to go out to them. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and not only this, and that fullness of the Spirit being, being shared, the centrality of the gospel is made more clear. It's made more clear and evident uh, as he sees that it's not just for the Jews, it's not just for him, uh, but it's, it's for anybody. Because from that he has to conclude, we have to conclude, and Peter does conclude, that it, it's not based on anything in him. This fullness of blessing of the Spirit, of God's love, of his presence, of his forgiveness and reconciliation and covering over our sins, he didn't do anything to earn it. It wasn't because Peter was like, well, he was one of the disciples and he hung out with Jesus and he, like, he's performed miracles in Jesus' name and he's one of the apostles and he does all this. And, and Cornelius and Cornelius' cousin and friend who happens to be hanging there gets the same gift from God. And it's beautiful because it's not about him. There's nothing that he can rest in. There's nothing he can look to and say, this is why I get it. There's nothing you can look to and say and someone else to say that this is what would keep them away. Or the way we do in our prejudices, like this is what makes me better than them. I can't believe that some people would like that kind of music. Have you heard it? Uh, and we do all those things, um, but there's nothing better uh, in us. Makes the gospel more clear. Uh, he puts it in the end of um, his, his sermon to them in verse, um, uh, verse 43, speaking of the prophets, to him, to Jesus, all the, all, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who nothing else but just looks to Jesus instead of themselves receives that fullness of blessing, uh, receives forgiveness. Because God is unprejudiced, and he doesn't play favorites, um, and he calls his church uh, to the same uh, character. Not unclean, uh, not favoritism, and uh, not opposing. If you look down more toward the end of the passage, I think this is just incredible when right after 11 opens up, and the apostles and the brothers who are th throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word. And they rejoiced and they praised God and they called together assembly to thank God for the fulfillment of his promises through the prophets. And they had a big party and they went and told lots of other people about it. That's not what the passage says. Why is that not what the passage says? Oh, because our hearts are so slow. Because we're so stuck in our prejudices and our experiences and our expectations. And so they heard that, that these other people groups were receiving uh, the word of God and the spirit. And they go, Peter, you ate with non-Jews? Did we hear rightly that you went into somebody else's house? Did we hear rightly that you were hanging out with them? That you ate with them? <laughs> and Peter's like, let me, let me explain, right? Let me explain. And he begins to tell them all that ha has happened. And that's, God has brought Peter through this process, and he's bringing, and, and as Peter's relating it to them, God's bringing them through that process. And it's a beautiful thing, then, that God takes these people who are criticizing Peter for actually relating to these people of a different race, a different, uh, a different culture, and at the end, 
They're left silent. When they hear what God's done and that the same spirit that was given to them at the beginning is also given to the Gentiles, what can we say? And they do, uh, by the end of it, um, in verse, uh, verse 18 uh, of, of chapter 11, when they heard these things, they fell silent. Then they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. But it takes them a while to get there. And they start off more in opposition as they, as they hear uh, these things. Um, and, and so much so that Paul said, uh, Peter says it this way in verse uh, 17, uh, if God's given the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, would I that I could, who am I that I could stand in God's way? He's like, hey, don't get on me. Like if I was to do something different than what I did, I would have been opposing God. Right? Uh, we need to see that, how, that, our, that our prejudices in Removing people, ignoring people, not relating to people, seeing some as unclean uh, is, is opposing God. That's true uh, in the church, and it's true just in our relationships and how uh, we interact with folks. Listen, you, you, know that, you know the kind of thing of, you know, early in the passage, how unlawful it is for Jews to associate with. We don't, we don't have, like, laws now, thankfully, of, like, that... Uh, that some people can sit in the front of the bus and others have to sit in the back or you have to be in different restrooms or different, uh, different places. We're, we're thankful for those movements uh, forward and there's still room for many of that to, be, to move forward. But you know, we still have people talking about a lot of things that go along with that. And, and even outside of racial uh, stuff, you know the social rules of you, you, you hung out with who? Yeah, I remember someone telling me about um, this is not calling I'll say a word about the Greek system. This is not calling out the Greek system, but, but, but maybe some things that are often found within it. Uh, a girl who was in a particular sorority, and like they just had a list of rules that the guys that the girls were not allowed to date. And if the girls were dating a guy, say, uh, wearing a, a wife beater uh, tank top shirt, uh, that they wouldn't be able to continue in the sorority. Right? Now you may be thinking, that's a, that's a good rule. Who are you? Like, what? And you may be thinking, <laughs> right. this is the kind of thing that they're saying, oh, no, 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 like, there's some people you shouldn't be around with. Uh, oh, you have, a, you have a friend who's black, you have a friend who's white, you have a friend who's, who's different than you, and you hang out with them. Why are you spending so much time with them? Why are you in that group? Um, I mean, you have that a lot more than you have, why are all the people around you kind of similar to you? Right? Um, and, and when we're resisting other types of people, uh, our prejudices are opposing God. If Peter had done, it was, it was weird for Peter, it was hard for Peter. If Peter had done different than what he did, he says, he would have been standing in God's way. He would have been saying, no, God, I won't. I mean, Peter already did this. He, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he's like, no. When it comes outside the vision, Peter gets, okay, no, God's telling me I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to walk into their house. Uh, when he sees the spirit, he's like, does anyone know any reason why we shouldn't baptize them? Baptize them? Because, I mean, it feels weird. But I feel like there's not really a reason not to. Like, that's what we're supposed to do according to what Jesus says. Does anyone else know a reason why I shouldn't do it? <laughs> right? He's like, he's still, he's still getting there. Um, to not be opposing God. Who are I that I should stand uh, in, in God's way? Um, the gospel of what God is working out is beautiful. Uh, it's more beautiful than just the way we talk about a multiculturalism uh, today. This is... Uh, this is preserving all that distinctiveness and differences and yet still uniting together in a love and a shared love from God together. That 
encourages people to walk into uncomfortable situations with people they don't know how to relate to and love them and share a Christ together. Um, I hope this is something that, that does, that whets your appetite with a longing uh, for the new heavens and the new earth and the community uh, that Christ is building. Because he's, he's proclaimed it from all the way back in Genesis uh, when, when sin started. He said this is the way it's going. And Abraham, all the way through, uh, and here in Acts, you see that this is the church that he's building. Um, my, my own denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America, discussing this a lot. The Southern Baptist Convention has been discussing some of these things. And you say, like, hey, some of these churches that are primarily uh, upper middle class white suburbia looking at what the future looks like as the nation is growing more and more diverse and the denominations are not or, or, or less so. Oh, are we, are we following the mission that Christ calls us to? What gets in the way of that? How do we have to repent and going forward in good uh, conversations uh, that are coming out of that. There's conversations at times that make us have to own our prejudices, uh, own our partialities, own the way that we play favorites, the way that we don't reflect the character of our God, and to long for the community that he's building among us and that he calls us into, that we would reach out with the same love that he has reached out to us. It's not that we're those who, like, always expected that we could have it. And that's been your experience if you grew up in the church. Uh, but unless the church that you grew up in talking about Jesus was, like, all Jewish, uh, that, that would have been really, right? That's, that we get to uh, hope in the blessing of God because of his love uh, that, that shows no partiality, uh, picking, picking favorites. His love is unprejudicial. Pray that ours would be the same. Would you join us?